entering the game from Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phillies went toe-to-toe with the Mets over the weekend, although losing two of three. Good baseball games, though. Bounce back against the Reds to win that series two games to one, even though they lost today one nothing. Uh, they need to keep winning series. The Eagles starters got one series against the Jets. They rolled down the field with Jalen Hurts being as perfect as you can be. Uh, just two preseason games left before go time, Chet. Of course, my favorite time of year, college football, just 10 days away. Um I guess I have to mention the Sixers are coming or did come to some financial agreement with that number 25. If they agree to a dollar, Chet, that's a dollar too much. Plenty to talk about. Oh, oh, one other thing, Chet. Yeah. Uh, since we talked last week, I saw Top Gun and I watched <laughs> Hustle. Wow, you had a busy week. How about it? I can't wait for your review. Save that for later in the show. Keep people in suspense, Bill. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's always uh, always a busy week here, Bill. Uh, and it's fun. It's shaping up to be a fun September for sure with the Eagles set to get it going for real. The Phillies looking like uh, they're going to be postseason bound. First time in 11 years. And we should mention we have postponed our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame show till next week. And, Bill, regarding that Eagles season opener, well, we are now exactly 25 days away from the opener. Shady McCoy says so. No snow for the opener this year, though. No, I'm sure of that. Well, I'm not sure of that. You never know, but I would think not. But, hey, we're loaded up with Phillies talk tonight, Jet, with our two guests, uh, Phillies Nation's Tim Kelly and Phillies broadcaster Larry Anderson will be joining us. So let's get to it. Let's welcome Tim Kelly back to Philly Press Box Radio Tim, welcome, sir. Thanks for having me back, guys. Hey, Tim, always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. Let's get right to it. This this Phillies team, yeah, they've been scuffling a little bit offensively. They've been shut out four of the last seven games. That is not good. But for the most part, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, the Pirates, the Nats, the Reds, you know, two out of three anyway. So with six weeks left in the season, how are you liking what you're seeing from the Phillies, considering, you know, they've done a lot of this without Bryce Harper? Yeah, I think that's what you have to consider, that you just got Gene Segura back not long ago. Kyle Schwarber's been out for the last few days. So I think it's setting up well for you to win either the second or third wild card spot in the National League and get back to the playoffs for the first time in uh, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it is a little concerning uh, that the Mets, of course, we're going to see the Mets for a whole pile of games this weekend, Uh took care of us over the weekend in some really good baseball games. They've come back this week. They're beating up on the Braves, and now we're back to the Phillies. Are the Mets really this good? Yeah, I think they are. Like, if, if I had to pick a team uh, to win the World Series right now, I think I'd pick the Mets. So I, I think it is indicative of how good the Mets are. You have – I mean, it almost felt like a break when you got Max Scherzer Friday night because I get it. Jacob DeGrom doesn't go deep in games, but, like, for the six innings he pitches or whatever, he's like as good as any pitcher ever uh, in terms of what he's putting out there. So 
Uh, yeah, to have that one-two at the top of your rotation, Edwin Diaz is un unhittable right now. And you have a lineup that maybe doesn't have, outside of Pete Alonso, a ton of pop, but you just have grinders like Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte. It it's a really, really deep team. So uh, I, I think the Mets are probably going to comfortably win the NL East, but there's room, especially now with three wild cards, for the Phillies to make the playoffs regardless. Well, speaking of the Mets, since they are in town this weekend, the good news for the Phillies is that Scherzer pitched today, DeGrom's pitching tomorrow. Uh, the third start, I guess, is hurt now. So the Phillies are going to miss the Mets' top three pitchers this weekend, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it is. And, uh, I mean, that that's a, a situation where you get four games, you got to win at least two of those, I would think. Uh, really, if you, if you put the Phillies record against any team other than the Mets this year, it's excellent. Against the Mets, it's been disastrous. Now, a lot of that came before you made a change in manager, and really that changed the course of this season. But certainly, if you want to feel like in the playoffs you have a chance to beat anybody, it, it would be good to take care of the Mets in this series. Well, Tim, as we look forward down the stretch and, and get to those playoffs, those those series during the playoffs, um, I'm comfortable as heck that the Phillies can run five starters out there or they can run three if it's a short series and put two of those guys in the bullpen. They have five guys that can get people out right now. Yeah, I think certainly Wheeler and Nola, whatever order you want to put those two in, is one of the best one-two punches in the league. It's not as good as DeGrom and Syndergaard but, or DeGrom and Scherzer, but it is an excellent one-two. And then at this point, I, I'm going Ranger Suarez number three. Uh, he's been about as good as anyone in baseball over his last six starts, seven starts now if you count today. So you're in a really good situation. And then if you need a game four, you cross that bridge when you get there, whether it's Syndergaard or Zach Eflin comes back, whatever the case may be, uh, you, you figure that out when you're there. But certainly you have to like your chances with that top three of winning two out of three games. Let's assume Bryce Harper is back by September 1st. It's looking like that's going to be the case. He's probably going to be on a rehab assignment next week. So he's going to be the DH for the rest of the year once he comes back. What happens then with Derek Hall? Is he just a pinch hitter coming off the bench? Yeah, I think he becomes a pinch hitter and then a guy that occasionally, if Reese Hoskins needs a day against a right-handed pitcher that you put in there. But uh, th there's certainly nothing wrong with that. The Dodgers and some of the teams we see consistently making deep playoff runs have to make those type of tough decisions where you put a guy that's hitting well on the bench. And th there's nothing wrong with having a guy with the home run power that can come up and change the course of the season off the bench late with one swing. And who do you see being the odd man out in the outfield, assuming Harper goes to the DH? Uh, Castellanos will be out there. Schwarber will be out there. Who's going to be the center fielder and who's going to be sitting? Well, I mean, it's not official right now, but it certainly looks like after last night that kind of took care of itself because Brandon Marsh uh, is probably going to be on the injured list for at least some period of time. He avoided like tearing an ACL or uh, meniscus or Achilles, so that's good, but he has a sprained left ankle and he's a, a bruised left knee. So that's still the type of injury that will put you out for a month maybe. So you figure that out. Um, they are pretty thin on outfield depth right now, uh, especially since it, it doesn't appear right this minute, at least that Bryce Harper is going to play in the outfield again this season. So uh, you run Matt Veerling out there and I'm not a whole lot sure what else you do. Uh, whether it's someone internally or signing someone from outside the organization. Hey, how about the moves Dave Dombrowski made right before the deadline? All of those moves look like they're paying off, especially, I mean, just look at the game on Monday. All four 
you know, moves helped to a win. Yeah, I think uh, the the biggest one so far has been David Robertson, and it's kind of a cool story because I know there were some people frustrated with how things panned out his first time around here, but I mean, I, I don't know what the guy was supposed to do. You're injured, you're injured. He got the surgery. It has a long recovery time, but now he's come back, and at age 37, uh, he's been excellent. And the Phillies probably have the best bullpen they've had since 2008. Like they they have a really deep bullpen. No, Sir Anthony Dominguez struggled a bit today, but he's been an all-star caliber pitcher for most of the season. Jose Alvarado has transformed himself since uh, throwing the cutter more. And you add David Robertson in, and it's a very deep bullpen, which uh, it's just night and day from what you had a year or two ago. I'm going to throw some numbers out here uh, at you that these actually were numbers that I had prepared for when the Phillies were 50 games into the season. Okay. Now think about where we are today. Schwarber was hitting 185, Hoskins 222, Realmuto 247, Stott 123, and Roman Quinn 162. Uh, did it just become hitting season, or did something take place in the changeover to Rob Thompson? Why did this thing get turned around? Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. And, and some of those guys, like Kyle Schwarber is not a guy that's going to hit for a high average but he's gotten hot home run-wise. You have Bryson Stott, who uh, has uh, – the average isn't going to look good at the end of the season, but when you consider kind of where he came from, he's uh, shown you, I think, moving forward that whether it's at short or second next year, he's going to be your opening day starter at one of those two positions. Uh, Castellanos hasn't consistently gotten it going like he has in some other seasons in his career. So that's kind of the one that stands out to me. But I think you had guys that were cold at the beginning of the season that uh, should be better and have been better. Uh, Alec Bohm obviously has been significantly better both uh, in the field and at the plate. So uh, it, it really is a combination of things. And to me, it's undebatable at this point making the managerial change to Rob Thompson, whatever you want to say happened, it turned out to be uh, a positive decision to make that. And it, it changed the culture and they're playing very, very well under him. Yeah, they sure are. Um, well, right now the Phils are on pace for 90 or 91 victories, much of that thanks to the pitching staff. And Aaron Nola has struggled the last couple of Septembers. Are you confident that's not going to happen this year? I think it's something that he is very real. He has struggled. The narrative is out there. Uh, I know last year on September 1st, he pitched and he struggled and he tried to play it off after the game. Like, oh, I didn't know it was September. Like everybody knows it's the elephant in the room right now. So it's something that he's going to have to get over in September. But boy, was he great last Saturday in yeah. Queens against uh, uh, potentially a future Hall of Famer, a two-time Cy Young Award winner in Jacob deGrom. So that was a good first step for him, certainly. With Bryce Harper returning, uh, what, what's your thoughts on that, Tim? Have you been keeping a close eye on it? What's the timetable look like that you're seeing? I wasn't obviously on this uh, road trip, but it, from all the reports, it sounds like next week Bryce Harper is going to get a rehab stint. And then I know Dave Dombrowski was on MLB Network earlier this week and said September 1st is a realistic target date. And because you had the lockout at the beginning of the season, uh, the regular season stretches a bit into October. So you're looking at getting Bryce Harper back for four or five weeks. And even if he, that's only as a DH, before he went down, 
I don't know. The, the, there maybe were some guys hitting as well as him. I don't think there was anyone hitting better than Bryce Harper was. He was hitting uh, even better, I think, than he had in his MVP season a year ago. So getting him back, and it, I'm sure there'll be some rust to work out, but uh, it's hard not to feel good about getting Bryce Harper back. Hey, Tim, uh, you wrote a piece the other day mentioning interest by other teams in some Phillies' top pitching prospects like Andrew Painter. Both he and Mick Abel have been promoted to double-A Reading. From what you've seen and heard, how good are these young pitchers, and what is their upside? Uh, very good. I, I know a prospect list came out today where both Abel and Painter were top 50 prospects, and Abel was like 25. So that it's been a long time since the Phillies have had – a prospect in that range and he is only 19 years old yeah. he's at double a and one of the most interesting things i've heard dave dombrowski say this season is he was talking before the trade deadline and he really he didn't say names exactly but you kind of got the sense it was mcgarry abel and painter he was talking about that people the a the phillies didn't want to trade them and that proved to be true on the trade deadline but b the Phillies uh, have a lot of younger arms in those guys, but I don't think that they're years away. He essentially confirmed all three will be in Major League Spring Training next year, and who knows from there. This is a guy that uh, in Detroit brought Justin Verlander up when he was 20 years old, and they went to the World Series that year. So I'm not saying uh, they're going to go to the World Series next year or that anyone's going to be Justin Verlander, but uh, that gives you an idea. This is someone that's been around for a long time, and – uh, for him to be that excited about it, I think in a sense, maybe you're starting to see the farm system turn the corner a little bit. At the very least, you have two or three guys that seem to be coveted around the league, and that's that's a good place to be in. Well, Tim, we've uh, we've all we'll, we'll throw us all in here crucified uh, the Phillies for their bullpen over the last handful of years. Uh, I think we got to kind of give some shout outs. You you mentioned a couple of those guys. Um, how do you like the way Rob Thompson is using these guys now where they don't necessarily have a spot? Um, Sir Anthony does look like he's becoming the closer, especially with Knable on the IL now. Um, but Hand, Brogdon, uh, some of those other guys, they may pitch the sixth, seventh, eighth, and maybe sometimes the ninth. Yeah, it seems to have worked out. So I, I kind of think don't mess with what's working. And uh, I do believe in the idea of, like, use your best reliever in whatever the highest leverage situation is, if that's the eighth inning, if that's the ninth inning. The thing about that, though, is you have to have another person then that can pitch the ninth inning, and it is different pitching the ninth and the seventh. And a few years ago when the Phillies tried to use Sir Anthony wherever, they didn't have another person that could pitch the ninth inning. They have at least one other in David Robertson now, and I'd feel pretty comfortable using Jose Alvarado or Brad Hand in the ninth inning. Uh, so while Sir Anthony would be my ideal closer, if you have to use him in the seventh, if you're playing the Braves and Ronald Acuna comes up with runners in scoring position, uh, you don't feel like you're setting yourself up to lose in the ninth if you bring Sir Anthony Dominguez in in the seventh or eighth. Hey, Tim, we're almost out of time, uh, but, you know, when I look at you on Twitter, this always jumps out at me, and i got to ask you, on your Twitter profile it says, once outscored Saquon Barkley in a track meet. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, I was uh, I was a year older. I went to Northampton High School in the Lehigh Valley, and Saquon Barkley went to Whitehall High School. And I was a year older, and we went to uh, the high schools were literally like across the bridge from each other. Right. But we would have a track meet, multiple track meets uh, where they were either involved or it was just our high school against their high school. Saquon Barkley didn't do any of the same events that I did. I'm not saying I beat him head to head, but you get points. For uh, the amount of uh, times you get first place in a meet, second place, third place, whatever. And I was a really good hurdler at the time, not uh, an Olympic athlete, but I did very well in that meet. And that's turned out to be my uh, athletic claim to fame. Well, Saquon <laughs> Barkley is like friends with LeBron James and Drake now. So uh, he, he probably got the better end of that. But Yeah, but you're uh, friends with us. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> 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 well, hey, Tim, before we let you go, give a shout out to all your social medias, all the places people can follow what you got on your own. You always have things happening. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at Tim Kelly Sports and then read my work on philliesnation.com and odyssey.com. Tim, I mentioned uh, before we went on the air that I was going to ask you, and I forgot about asking you, Noah Syndergaard not going to start against the Mets this weekend. Is it because he's afraid of the Mets, as some people on Twitter have uh, implied, or is it just a, a strategic thing by the Phillies? Yeah, I guess we'll never know for sure, but I, I think it's probably just a strategic thing in the sense that he's pitched every six days uh, until acquired by the Phillies, and he's coming off Tommy John, so I would guess that they're being pretty careful with him. Yes. I would think, if anything, he would want to face the match. Yeah, yeah he, would, he, would, he would think so. Like, I, I, at this point, I think he would be better to go out and get shelled against the Mets than miss pitching against the Mets. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I, I think the he knows the narratives out there. He's very much online. So I, I really doubt that this had anything to do with uh, him not wanting to pitch against the Mets. I Me agree. Too. Hey, hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Uh, where are the Phil's going to finish? I think they're going to win the, the second wild card. So I, I think that puts them in good Ooh. shape, and then they'll have a three-game playoff series and go from there. In Atlanta, probably. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I yeah. keep hearing people say it'll be great to have playoff baseball back in Philly. They're going to have to win three on the road for that to become a reality. Or that's two on the road. That's right. All, All right, right Tim. Tim. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's do it again. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All Thanks. right. Hey, Chad, school is back very soon and almost as we speak uh good chance your couch will be getting more mileage than your car time for you to start saving with all states pay as you go auto insurance yeah you know it bill all states pay as you go auto insurance puts you in control you only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs see how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, PA, that is Dave Lavoie. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Again, that number is 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. Yeah, and hey, Chet, uh, dog days of summer are here. It's been hot. We've been through a hot spell up in the in the great northeast. Uh, what's better than a cold, refreshing beverage like those at the Irish Rover Station House? What's going on over there at the Rover? I'll drink to that, Bill, first of all. Uh, yeah, summer may be winding down, but the good times are continuing over at the Irish Rover in Langhorn. Their Thursday killer burger battles are still going on. And, in fact, they have a couple of good ones this week. Taylor's 
Tater Tot Burger, hmm, and Donnie's Bronx Burger. There you see the description on the screen. Um, this week's special, otherwise dinner specials every Thursday through Sunday. Well, among appetizers, they have Irish nachos, which sounds really interesting. The entrees, shrimp scampi and filet Oscar. Of course, if you're a beer lover like me, remember there's always 24 beers on tap at the Irish Rover Station House. IPAs, wheat beers, stouts, they got them all covered. The Irish Rover Station House is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. The website, of course, irishroverstationhouse.com. I need a little Merrill Reese tonight, but what do you think? A little Merrill? Yeah. Come on, Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Yes, it is. Hey, hey, Chet, before we jump over to the Eagles real quick, we're going to go Eagles and we're going to come back Phillies, but there's a good question here I'm going to throw up on the screen and let you answer it, uh, get your thoughts. Would you rather finish in the last wild card spot and play the Cardinals first from Joey Wood? What do you think? I had that on my list of possible questions for Tim. Didn't get to it, but yeah, I would. If you're the sixth seed, um, you know, basically the third wild card, you would play the weakest of the three division winners, which would be in this case, the Cardinals. I would rather take my chances with the Cardinals on the road than with the Braves on the road. I think the Braves have a better team than the Cardinals. So, you know, I would prefer to go to St. Louis to play them. But, you know, you got to play who's put in front of you. Well, I think I'm going to go with the no preference. Just keep winning. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're winning your series, you know, as we say, they just need to keep winning series. If they keep winning their series, um, they're going to be playing good enough ball come that time. It's not going to matter who they're playing. Um, and they got to go on the road and win three games. That's and a, I really hope that, that they do clinch their spot, you know, before the last couple of days of the season so they can get the rotation the way they want it. If you can put out, you know, a Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez, one, two, three, you got a good chance. You got a good chance to beat anybody in the postseason. Absolutely. Well, Kyle Gibson can pitch too. Yeah. And so can uh, Thor. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about all five of them actually right now. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting uh, finish to the season. Can't wait. All right. Well, hey, before we get to our visit with L.A., let's talk some Eagles, Chet. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the first unit, could not have done any more than they did against the Jets. Six for six, 80 yards, touchdown, and still critics out there. What in the world is going on? Well, you know how it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's those stupid fans again. It's those stupid first teamers, fans. First teamers on both sides of the ball looked real good, Bill. Uh, Hurts, a perfect six for six. He hit Dallas Goddard for a touchdown. He survived that nasty uncalled for hit out of bounds by some Jets goon. So, yeah, th they looked pretty good, I think. Uh, they lost the game, but nobody cares about that. It's a preseason game, for crying out loud. The guys who will be on the field September 11th, and a few of them, like Jason Kelsey and Devontae Smith, not even in the lineup. Well, they all looked good. So I have no complaints about what happened last uh, Friday night in the opener. Yeah, me, me neither. I mean, anybody that, that got watched that first drive and came out complaining about anything, uh they they they're not fans, I guess. I don't I don't know what I don't. They're complainers. That's all I got for them. 
Yeah, I watched about a quarter and a half, and then I watched uh, the very end of the game because I had it on my DVR, so I just wanted to see how they ended up blowing it with the third stringers, but it didn't really matter. But uh, Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean on defense both look good. I mean, the Georgia teammates, they're going to be a great tandem. Davis is a beast. We know that. Uh, I'm optimistic. To be honest, you know, even though I didn't watch much beyond the first quarter, what I did see, I liked a lot, and I don't know how much we're going to see of the the main guys in the final two preseason games, I don't think much at all, but I can't wait till September 11th. Yeah, well, it's time. And I'll tell you what, those two, uh, those two rookies played very, very well in their first outing. You know, it's, uh, like you say, it's preseason. You know, I don't care much about it. You know, the, it's what's going on this week. They're off to Cleveland or Cleveland, I bet, right? The practice. Yeah, Cleveland. Yep, uh, that's where, where's, that's where the activity goes on. And we find out, the ones versus ones uh, at that point. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but uh, we'll see how much more the ones play this week uh, in the Sunday game. And uh, then just one more outing, Chad, a week off and it's go time. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, and don't forget, make your plans for Christmas already, Bill, because Christmas Eve, you got the Eagles and Cowboys, and then Christmas Day at noon, the Knicks and the 76ers. So the family time is going to take a little bit of a hit for that holiday because uh, I got some games to watch. Yeah, well. <laughs> You'll watch the Eagles-Cowboys at least. Maybe not. I will watch the Eagles-Cowboys. <laughs> I don't know about wasting my Christmas on Joel Embiid and the oh, Knicks. There we go. Jeez, it's August so and you're bashing Embiid, Mike. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I was bashing the Sixers. Hey, speaking of two two quick basketball things because we have a second here before we're going to start our L.A. interview. Uh, LeBron James, $97 million for two-year extension today. Yeah. Uh, eating must be pretty hard. Uh, for him out there and uh, what about your buddy Bill Russell not your buddy Bill Russell uh, having his number six retired by the entire league you on board with that yeah you know I, I was kind of taken by surprise by that because you know then you're going to wonder oh why not Will Chamberlain why not you know some of the other greats but I mean he certainly is a legend of 11 championships in 13 years the first NBA black head coach uh, all of those rings that he won. So I, I can understand it. I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not a fan of the Celtics, never was. But, I mean, he's certainly one of the all-time greats. We talked previously after he died about, you know, what he had to go through in terms of racism and all of that, uh, his civil rights work. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm okay with what the NBA did with Bill Russell. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit okay with it. Um, I mean, he did all those things, and he was great at it. Um but I'll just take, and we won't even put Wilt in this conversation, but somebody like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has done a lot of those same things, maybe not back in day one, uh, but he's followed up on what Bill Russell laid out. Um, he's also was a pretty good player too. Uh, do you come back and say, hey, we got to retire his number later as well? The other thing I have with the NBA, Jed, is there are 16 guys presently wearing number six. And they can all continue to wear them. Yeah. Well, it could be 15 years before they get rid of number six. So to me, if you're going to do it, do it. Well, that's how, what they do with uh, Mariano Rivera, too. Yeah, he, I didn't like that either. Too. No, I understand that. You, you get grandfathered into those kind of things. So I, I'm okay with that. But with Mario, Mariano Rivera, there was one or two, maybe, at the time. Rivera being the last one. Uh, 16 guys. 
Chet. Of course, I didn't realize there were that many. But there's one, like one happens to be LeBron James. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a few stars, including LeBron. So, uh, eh, you know, hey, congrats to Bill Russell. And again, I'm okay with what the NBA did. So uh, we'll just did, leave it at that. I didn't hear you say congrats to LeBron James for 97 million. I'm a little envious. I would take 97 million. So yeah, he will be 39 and a half, uh, 40 if he goes for that uh, final year then. Uh, 24, 25, and he hopes to play with his son, Bronny, who's going to be probably drafted in 2024. So maybe he'll work something out there because, you know, players control the, their destinations now, it seems. Yeah, well, Bronny's got to get better, too, because he's not that yet. He's not, but somebody will take him just because he is LeBron's kid. You know that. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the Phillies, Chet. Uh, you had a chance to sit down with former Phillies pitcher, longtime broadcaster Larry Anderson just this morning. Uh, so your your conversation is pretty up-to-date except for today's game. Uh, how does L.A. like the 2022 Phillies down the stretch? Well, like all of us, he's looking forward to seeing how good this team can be, you know, with Bryce Harper coming back. Castellanos, your guy, picking it up a little bit of late. The pitching staff looking real good. The bullpen looking great. So he's optimistic. And uh, if I'm pressing the right button, we'll see what he says here. Let's see. You know, I hate doing this chair thing, but it has been a couple of years since we last did this baseball talk with Phillies color analyst. Well, the sometimes radio analyst, I should say. The Weekender, as his pal Scott Fransky calls him, Larry Henderson. Hello, Larry. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. How's your summer going? Good. Good. A lot of, lot of little extra time, or I should say a lot of little, a lot of, a lot, a lot extra time. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll unlike other years. <laughs> Phillies are playing well, though. And as we speak, Wednesday morning, Larry, ahead of an afternoon Phillies-Reds game in Cincinnati, the Phillies are a playoff team. Hopefully it'll stay that way going into September and October. From your vantage point, what's been the big difference for the improved play since June 1st? You know, the managerial change, coincidentally. I think the bullpen uh, settling in. I think we took what was a very suspect bullpen at the start, I think, to a very successful bullpen right now. I think that's been the biggest difference in what this team's doing. The the offense, to me, is, has been the weakest point, which was supposed to be our strong point. That's been our weakest point for me. And, and you know, they can talk about oh, the numbers per game, average runs per game, but that it, it's kind of skewed to me because you can score 12-1 game and then go three games in a row or three out of four games being shut out. And I, that's there's no consistency there, and I think that's been a big problem, a, a trouble spot for the Phillies is their lack of consistency offensively. It's been better of late, but uh, actually the last four or five games, it, it did they didn't they didn't do well offensively. The good pitching is going to stop good hitting, and uh, I think we've shown that. Yeah, when you're going up against DeGrom and Scherzer, it's a little more difficult, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, as right. you said, yeah, for me, one of the main reasons has been the improved bullpen this year. We used to have to say historically bad when we talked about the bullpen. Not this year. They've been very good. And the starters as well. They have five guys now who are pretty good. Syndergaard looking, you know, pretty decent so far as a fourth or fifth guy. So do you like this rotation heading to a hopeful postseason? Yeah, I do. Um, I think... I mean, having DeGrom and, and Nola at the top, and now I think Ranger has really settled in to the last four or five games pitching like he did last year. And he finished last year, I believe, with an ERA under 150, one and a half. 
Um, and if he gets back to that and, and stays on his role, I mean, and and Gibson, he's shown what he's capable of doing. Um, and then at the at the back end, I think uh, early Gibson and uh, and Thor Syndergaard, I mean, if they give the, the offense a chance, that, that's all they're asking for. That's all you want. Your fourth and fifth starter, just give this team a chance to win. And then it's up to the offense, and that's you know it comes down to them doing their job. Um, but that's what you look for, and I think they, that's been a, a strength also. The, the rotation as a whole has been good. I mentioned the managerial change, Rob Thompson. There he is. Uh, they just look like a different team under him. Can a manager make that much of a difference? Um, I think when it comes to 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 the play of the players and and. It's not just what you do out on the field. It's all the time in be- leading up to that. Um, I think the, the mental part of it, I think the one thing with, with Rob Thompson, what these players have amongst themselves is relaxation. They're, they're not tense. They're not, you know, I, I think, I don't know if Joe was worried about losing his job or trying to keep his job or what. Um, he's a great guy. And I, I, I not being down in the clubhouse hardly at all, you know, try and give the players that's their their place but that that's apparently was was kind of intense in there and guys weren't relaxing guys weren't just settling back and saying let's just go play ball and I think Thompson's given them that mentality to just hey let's have fun let's go out let's play let's see what happens we have a good team and it, it just seemed like guys just seemed to relax under him and and I think that shows in the way they've been playing the last two months well, the Phils are on pace right now for 90, maybe 91 wins, which would be very nice. Hopefully their first postseason appearance in 11 years, as we said. Who's been the most pleasant surprise in your eyes this year? I think Alec Bohm. Yep. Um, the, from, from the start, and we all know what, you know what happened in the early part of the season when he's like didn't have the greatest things to say about this place. Um, I, I, think, well, I think Cassiano's helped him a lot coming coming out of that but i think him standing up i think when you deal with fans in philadelphia it's a different breed you have you have to understand philadelphia a little bit and and understand the passion of the fans and also take into account that this is the first franchise to lose ten thousand games i mean there's a lot of losing for fans here they're they kind of enjoy the playoffs just as much as everybody else but they haven't been able to but I think with, with Alec Bohm, I think Castellanos talking to him, saying, hey, everybody's had errors, everybody's had three-error games, whatever. Um, the fact that, that Bohm stood up and was accountable, I think that's what people here want. They just want, want you to be accountable. They want you to go play hard, play smart, play, be accountable for what you do, for your actions on the field. And I think Bohm stood up and did that. The next day, getting the ovation, and, and it, I think it relaxed him. It helped him say, you know what, hey, maybe this isn't such a bad place. And yeah. I think it's showing what he's capable of doing now. A lot of pleasant surprises. Bohm, Bryson, Stott, Garrett Stubbs when he gets yeah. in there. So, yeah, I'm really impressed with what they've done. Hey, L.A., you've had something of a reputation for being a tad hard on umpires over the right. years from time to time. Is umpiring getting worse? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I, let me – If why in the world they the umpires – I don't know if they had to approve it, but take that box off the screen – Take the box off the, 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 the strike zone off the hitter, off the plate. Get rid of it. Because all they do, that, that, and, and for myself included, it, it just leads to second guessing. Oh, he missed that one. How can he miss that one in this spot? I mean, you're talking about 
this much, guys are they're missing pitches by it, and hitters are complaining, pitchers are complaining. It's like these these guys are human, and they're not robots. I mean, not yet. Um, so, like, you have to cut them a little slack, and I try to, but the, the box makes it tough. It's like, well, you missed that. How can you miss that in this situation? You know, game situation, tie score, ninth inning, couple men on, call a strike that's two inches off the plate. It's you just can't. I mean, a box really hurts it, and I, I'm just I'm so surprised the umpires allowed that to happen. And well, I think speaking, they have the power to stop it. Speaking of the robot thing, what's your take on that? Should they go to robot balls and strike calling in the future or not? I have this conversation <laughs> all the time, it seems, of late. And uh, I just, I, I don't, I, I like the, there's, that there's some human element. But when that human element is not really doing a real good job being human, Larry, Joseph Santaliquito wrote a nice piece about you recently uh, for Philly Voice uh, about you know, how the fans miss hearing you during this now three quarters of the season that you're not there. Uh, as he wrote, Larry Anderson, for all his lovable animated crabbiness, is missed. He's got the he's the get off my lawn man you want to hug and sit down and have a beer with. Have fans told you how much they do miss hearing you? Um, I've heard from a few that, yeah, they wish I was doing more games. Um and I honestly, when the team's playing, when it's winning, it's the first time in what 10, 11 years where they're, you really think they're going into the playoffs. Uh, it's like now I want to be back more. You know, I, I've had a couple of stretches where I was off for 18 days. And then coming back to that, for one thing, it's just getting settled back in takes a little bit. Um, but missing, and I do, I just, I miss calling the games with Scott. That's, uh, that's the one thing I, I really, <laughs> I really, I do miss it's, uh, we've got a rapport. We, we, uh, we enjoy working together and, um, it's just, uh, it's something that, I don't know, it's it, baseball is obviously in my blood and being away from it for that many days, it makes it tough. Uh, I, I wish I was back a little more. Yeah. Yeah. You and Scott are certainly terrific together. So uh, it's always a treat when you are there on those weekends. Well, Larry, you were quite an athlete back in the day as a pitcher. Um, you know, you made some wonderful plays. Check out this footwork on this 1993 play that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. Larry Anderson, two days shy of his 40th birthday. Reed bounces to Krupp. Krupp dives, makes the stop. Bad throw, but Anderson gets the bag. Second out of the inning. Heck of a play by Krupp and Anderson. A big smile because on his feed to Anderson, Anderson stumbled all over his feet to catch the ball first and then to find a way to tag the bag. Nice play by Kruk. Off goes his cap. Here's the throw. Anderson trips. And as he falls down, he still finds the wherewithal to tag the bag. Larry, that was pretty impressive. That's some, that's some unbelievable athleticism right there, let me tell you. And you know what? It, it wouldn't have been so bad, but that fat guy playing first base, yeah. he couldn't get up to throw me the ball sooner, so I had to slow up. And then it was a high throw, so I, everybody thinks I tripped over the bag. I was dragging my foot over the bag trying to make sure I got the bag on the high throw. And Krucky came up, and I remember him. I'm looking at him, and he's got about three buttons missing on his shirt from the dive. I guess the, the, the impact of his gut hitting this dirt. <laughs> 
uh, popped the buttons. And he just, he bent over and was just laughing. I couldn't, I had to start laughing. And I looked up Randy, I remember Randy Marsh was the first base umpire. I looked up at Randy and I said, Randy, I'm too old for this blankety blank. And he just started laughing. And I just, it's like, it's going to take me a second to get up. Yeah, well, I mentioned it was right before your 40th birthday. It's no secret. You're going to be 70 on your next birthday, Larry. That's next spring. Have you made a decision yet about next season? Are you coming back for at least, you know, part of the season? It's still up in the air. I, I, honestly, I mean, I wish I had. I knew right now in my heart what I was going to do. Uh, and obviously, it's up to the Phillies, too. It's, they have they have a little say in this. Um but I, there's times where I think I want to come back and do all the home games. I want to do them all. There's other times where it's like, you know what? Having that time off, that was kind of nice. Um, so I'm I'm still torn. I mean, I, I I do. I enjoy doing the games again. And it's, I, I don't know when I'll make the decision or, or when they'll want me to make the decision. I'm sure they won't want me to wait too long. Um, but it's, it's definitely... Gonna gonna take some soul searching, some time to just sit down and think about it. Well, over the last four or five years, you've gone from doing all the games to just home games to this year doing just weekend home games. I'm thinking next year you'll only do Saturday games that start before six p.m. when the temperature is between say fifty-five and seventy-five. How's that? I think working it that way, I think <laughs> I'm going to be able to break Brett Favre's record of the number of times he retired, <laughs> and that's really what I'm sitting out to do. Well, <laughs> that's about it, though. Hopefully you're improving your golf game, at least with this extra time. I wish. I, I really, I've, I've actually turned down a couple times to play recently. Uh, one at Marion, once at Aronimic, because right now I don't feel like I have any business going out in a golf course. I, the last couple of years has, it, apparently it's not like riding a bike because I was okay, very average before. And now I'm just terrible. And I'm like, I probably need to go hit some balls a little bit more, spend a little more time at the driving range before I feel comfortable going out to some courses. Well, Larry, enjoy these next uh, two months or hopefully even longer, well into October, we hope, with the Phillies. And this was a lot of fun, of course. Thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Enjoy the rest of the season, as I said, and don't work too hard. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, what do you think, Chet? What is that? <laughs> is that? Is that a Larry Anderson mask? Halloween night at the vet, 1985. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How about that, huh? You're the one usually comes up with the props tonight. I, ha I have never seen that. How about yeah. that? It actually says it on it, 1985 Halloween night at the vet. Wow. They gave that away, huh? They did. <laughs> That's probably worth uh, a dollar or two. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Wasn't L.A. great, though? And he mentioned the inconsistencies. Yeah, I love that. I, hang on to that, Bill. Yeah. Larry mentioned the inconsistencies with, you know, scoring 11 or 12 runs one night and then nothing the next day. That was before our interview today and, of course, or before the game today. Right on, uh, you know, and I think we all see it. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, you got to get the big hits. What they have the other night? They had 13 left on base and had to go yeah. to extra innings to win. You know, it's a key hit. We're just not getting that key hit right now. And uh, But you know what? I feel like this team is good enough. They're going to come around. 
Uh, we said this last week, week before, you're not going to stay hot forever. Um, you know, the, you see dips in, in valley, peaks and valleys, and uh, uh, but other guys will pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, today they had some chances early in the game, but just couldn't get the runs home. And now they got a day off to recover tomorrow, then the big four-game series against the Mets. And then the schedule gets easy again. They got four more games against the Reds, all at home, and then three against the Pirates in Philly. So, I mean, they got to win six out of seven next week at the ballpark. And uh, I think they're going to move on up in the standings if they do. Six out of seven is too much to expect. No, it isn't. Not against bad teams. Hey, you got to win two out of three. Stink. Win two out of three or three out of four. You're not going to win them all. Okay. It, it doesn't work that way. Five out of seven minimum, Bill. Hey, uh, listen, we got two minutes. I'm going to do this. All right. Oh, no. Yeah, I got something for you, Bill. I'm going to squeeze something in right here. Uh, I know <laughs> I know you see my escapades on Facebook, and that being the case, you know that I had quite the wild Saturday. Uh, I was at Monster Mania, as I always go, uh, twice a year. I had to fight off some zombies while there. Um, I survived, fear not. Uh, there was an amazing visit that evening at um, Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue, where I saw a couple of our favorite viewers Robbie and Jane, they love watching us every week. And that was the first time they met one another. And you still haven't met either of them, Bill. No, you met Jane. You haven't met Robbie yet. That's right. Um, but in between all of that, Bill, well, I don't know if you know this, but Saturday was National Bowling Day. Bill, you're on camera, so don't do anything bad. You're on camera. Uh, in between those events, Saturday was National Bowling Day where I hung out with one of my favorite DJs from 93.3 WMMR, and he told me that he's got something real cool happening next week at the ballpark. So uh, if I can find it, here's the details on that. It's me, Jackie Bam Bam from 93.3 WMMR, Philly Press Box Radio. Chet, Bill, what are you doing? Wait, I'm going to do my... This is how, what was his name? Joe Morgan from the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, by the way, it's not Joe Morgan or Johnny Bench of the Cincinnati Reds. It's me and the Philly Fanatic, August 24th. I'm going to be out, yes, in my mummer's seat because it's mummer's night. I hope to see you there. Hey, Chet, Bill, I love you. All the best. Bye. There you go. That's how Jackie Bam Bam rolls. See what I did there? Because he was at a bowling alley. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah, he got a little promo there. He's got a big event next Wednesday when the Reds are in town, speaking of which. So uh, he's going to be dancing on the dugout, he said, with the Fanatic, I believe, in the fifth inning. So something to look forward to, sports fans. All right. Well, hey, speaking of things to look forward to, Chet, let's look at the shows at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. We talk about wall-to-wall -wall coverage, Chet. It is wall-to-wall-to-wall-to-wall because look at, look at I'm certainly not going to read all those. But if you have a free night, catch all the action on www.eopsports.com as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube, our show, Philly Press Box Radio on our YouTube channel. Uh, hit the subscribe, follow, like button, share with your family and friends. Check out all these shows. You talk about growing. This network's growing. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, you can pretty much watch and listen to stuff all day long now because there are just so many shows to choose from. You know, the ones that we have become to uh, get familiar with over the years and now all these new ones, Chalk Talk and Round Mound, Kelly Green Hour. My goodness, EOP is killing it. And there's going to be a lot more come Eagles season. There will be post game every week. 
pre and post game every week as well. Um, so check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're all participating. We're adding people that are, are quality people, quality Philly sports people. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. And somebody, by the way, asked this question, Bill. Air yeah. conditioning working? Yes. Yes. After two weeks, our nightmare is over. Uh, during the past weekend, the air conditioning folks finally fixed our situation here at my office. So, yeah, two full weeks I had to have just a bunch of fans keeping me cool, but now the AC is back and all is well. Does that mean you don't have to drink at work now or? Well, I still have a beverage during our show. Tonight it's oh. a Sly Fox Hellas lager. But yeah, you got to drink water to stay hydrated during the day, Bill, no matter what the temperature. That's right. All right. Hey, great guest tonight and Tim Kelly and Larry Anderson. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? And oh, don't forget Wednesday uh, we are going to do our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame ballot for real, uh, but we've had so much going on tonight, we just pushed it out a week. Yeah, that is true, Bill. Um, we are going to put up right now our existing Hall of Famers, okay? This is what we got. I'm not going to read them all off, but over the years, we have put in 45 Hall of Famers into our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame since we started doing it in 2014 not counting three or four broadcasters. And next week, you will help us expand that list over the you know latter part of August. We will unveil the holdover nominees and a few new names to consider next week. So that's going to happen. In addition to that, well, you're going to enjoy uh, a fun interview with this guy who happens to be the drummer for the Hooters, David Wasikinen. We had him on about three years ago, pre-pandemic. He is a huge Philly sports fan. He is also a great guy. And the Hooters and his other project, In the Pocket, have several shows in the area over the next few months. So it's going to be good to talk to David Wasikinen for next week. All right. Looking forward to it. Let's get let's get after it. And, um, Chad, as I mentioned, the opening of college football is just 10 days away. How about the Penn State Nittany Lions not being ranked in the preseason top 10? Uh, Chad, what do, you, what do you make of that? That's pretty uh, – Unprecedented. Well, I'm going to defer to you on that, Bill. Uh, you follow the college game more closely than I do. But let's be honest. Last year was kind of a disappointment, Bill. Uh, the Knits started off 5-0. and Then they lost six of their final eight games to finish the season 7-8. and eight. I know the quarterback was hurt for a while, but, I mean, do they even deserve to be ranked after going 7-6 and six last season? Yeah, pro- probably not. Or, or it be in that top 20, bottom half of the 20. Uh, because that's usually where big-name schools are. But we'll find out. They uh, they have Purdue on the road. They have Auburn on the road early on. We're going to find out pretty quick. Um, Sean Clifford, the quarterback you mentioned, is back for a sixth season. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't know it's true. They might be making so much money they don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they yeah. might have a too good an NIL deal that they don't they don't want to leave now, so they're going to keep coming back. So, uh, but you know, the the list of normal frauds are on that list. Notre Dame's up at about five. USC's up in the top ten. Miami's up there. Th- those teams aren't winning nothing. They're they're frauds. There you go, Bill. There's the rankings. Notre Dame five. By the way, Penn State Penn State is number twenty nine. If you were to expand this, and they are number twenty six in the coaches poll, so they're uh, not too far out of there. Remember last year they started eighteenth and then moved all the way up to number four before the losing started. Yeah, and it's funny you'd look at a team like Pitt, another fraud. 
you know, they had a good quarterback with Kenny Pickett. They had a nice season last year, deserved what they got. Uh, he's gone. They'll be gone. Just back where they came from along with these other frauds. And everything else will settle itself out probably with Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia right up there at the top at the end again. Hey, you mentioned Penn State opening with Purdue. That is a Thursday night game, believe it, it or is. not. The uh, it Thursday, September 1st. So that's going to be different. Some Thursday night football college variety. Yep, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll certainly talk a lot more uh, college football as we go. Chad, I got to get you boned up on that. By the way, Penn State took today off from camp to play laser tag in the gym. Uh <laughs> Goon, Goon, our pal Keith Conlon sent me a message saying what in, well, I won't even say what he said, <laughs> but uh, this isn't how camp is run. Yeah, I believe James Franklin was supposed to meet with the media late this afternoon. I don't know if that happened or not, but uh, maybe he gave a good report on the laser tag games. I don't know. Maybe. All right, Chet, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line reses that give you greater odds of winning. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Raz Room. That's right, PPCC118 Raz Room on Facebook. Hey, Bill, I want to take a minute to mention uh, the Philly sports trips because I want to tell our viewers and listeners about them again. I joined them, as you know, on the trip to Cleveland and Canton earlier this month for Dick Vermeil's Hall of Fame induction, and it was awesome. And this fall, they've got a whole bunch more great trips for fans to consider, including, of course, all of the Eagles away games. They'll be going to the mall either by bus or by plane. There's a visit to Wrigley Field during the final week of the Phil's baseball season, plus an October Flyers hockey trip to Nashville, Music City, October 22nd through 25th. The Eagles are off that particular weekend, if you're wondering. Get all the details on their website, phillysportstrips.com. And by the way, that uh, February or September 25th game, the Birds and the Washington Commanders down at FedEx Field, uh, I believe they have over 600 fans just on this particular Philly sports trips venture alone, some 13 or 14 busloads at last count. So that is going to be awesome. Wow. I'm surprised the uh, football team or wh who, whoever they are would allow them to sell that many tickets to the <laughs> opponents. Well, they're probably having a tough time selling them to their own fans. So why not bring <laughs> other right. people in? All right. All right. How about a parting shot for you tonight? You have anything for us? Oh, let's see what I got for you tonight, Bill. Yeah, I don't remember if we ever talked about this previously, but back in the mid-1980s for a couple of seasons, Bill, I was the color analyst for radio broadcasts of Princeton University basketball, 1985-86 and 86-87. And before the games, I would tape an interview with the head coach, and that, of course, would be the legendary Pete Carrill. Well, play-by-play -play man David Brody and I did all the games those two seasons, including the road trips to Penn, Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Yale, Harvard, and Brown, the every other Ivy League schools. And I remember on the bus trips, sitting a seat or two behind the coach after the games, he would talk constantly with his assistant coaches about what went right and what went wrong. Well, during his 29 years as Princeton's coach, a lot did go right for Carrill. His Tigers won more games, more than 500 games, and 13 Ivy League titles, all, of course, with 
Princeton not ever having the ability to award players scholarships. His ball control Princeton offense was legendary. His teams were always among the best in the country in terms of defense and overall fundamentals. Basketball fans remember that 1989 NCAA tournament opening round game when Princeton came within one point of upsetting John Thompson's number one Georgetown. And then in 1996, not long after announcing he would be retiring, his 13th-seeded Tigers upset UCLA, the fourth seed, in an opening round tourney game. Kirill was later an assistant for several years for the Sacramento Kings. Well, he is a Naismith Hall of Famer, too, and now he is no longer with us. Pete Kirill died Monday morning at the age of 92, so we say rest easy, Coach. Absolutely a coaching legend. Uh, yeah. He always knew during all those years that he coached, you better be prepared. And you knew he was going to be prepared. You knew he was going to have a good club. Uh, and there were some good pen clubs during that time too. And uh, it was always a battle when they pay, when they played Princeton, that's for sure. Yeah, he, he was indeed a legend and a good guy. And 29 years at Princeton, won a lot of games. And uh, started out as a high school coach in Pennsylvania, I believe. I believe that is right. He's from the Bethlehem area, is he not? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yep. Rest easy, coach. All right. Anything else before we put a wrap on this thing? Don't forget, Bill, 25 days till the Eagles season opener. That's right. And let's go Phillies as we uh, get ready for the weekend. Day off tomorrow. A pile of games for the Mets. Need to win. Uh, Dave Yarnell says the Mets are up 4 nothing already on the Braves in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, Mets are playing good ball, but we got to win. That's actually good news for the Phillies, though, because it moves the Braves back a little bit closer to the Phillies. So uh, they have another series with them, I believe. And that's got to be the goal right now catch and pass the Braves. That would be my goal. That's it. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Tim Kelly and Larry Anderson, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August the 24th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook, listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com or blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio on Philly Press Box Radio YouTube, don't forget that, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and Go Phillies!